This audio is presented to you by Abdul Fattah Adayami. For more lectures and counseling services, visit www.abdulfattahadayami.com. Listen, learn, laugh and think deeply as you edit your universe. Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah for the gift of another day. We are grateful to Allah for his mercy and mercy and mercy all the time. We thank him and we praise him. We ask Allah's forgiveness over our sins. May Allah forgive our sins. May Allah pardon our mistakes. May Allah overlook our errors and continue to guide us right in all we do. My name is Abdul Fattah Adeyemi. I want to talk about Prophet Ayub and you. So the topic, the Ayub in you. Hmm. This is not a story of doom. It's not a story of gloom. It is a story of contrast. You know, a story of suffering, agony, pain, torment, and trial. It's also, conversely, a tale of faith of hope, of triumph, of restoration, and of glorious joy. It's a story that is so many things inside it. It is similar to the joy of entering paradise. That's a very happy ending, entering paradise in the hereafter, after the trials of journeying through this world. You go through trials in the world, then you go enter paradise in the hereafter. In the long continuum of story of you as a person, we have seen the trials, we have seen the travails, we have seen the pains of coming to this world, we have seen the agony of death, we have seen the confusion and delirium of life in Barzakh inside the grave, the pain of loneliness in the grave, and then the confusion at the time of resurrection, the panics at the time of standing for judgment, and then the boundless joy of being told to enter paradise, and then the endless bliss of being inside paradise. Within this continuum, you can see everything a person will experience in contrasts, in joy and in sadness, in pain and in pleasure. So Allah allows trials in order to accomplish specific purposes in the lives of his people. When we are faced with suffering, we experience spiritual growth. Sometimes suffering makes us to have a change of heart and we repent from our sins. And uh, in the story of Ayub, alayhi salatu wasalam, 
there is a chance to demonstrate our devotion to Almighty Allah in the face of inexplicable agony that the person will face. So many words we shall be using, suffering, pain, trials, agony, ordeal. We shall be using these words sometimes interchangeably. But I want to emphasize this aspect of suffering and pain, suffering and pain. What's different between pain and suffering? Well, the dictionary says suffering is for somebody to be subjected to or for somebody to have to endure pain or somebody to be subjected to distress or somebody to endure distress or somebody going through some disadvantage in their lives. That is suffering. Whereas pain is a physical suffering or distress. So, for example, somebody having an injury or somebody having an illness that causes pain to them or a distressing sensation that we feel in our body. So the real meaning of suffering could be distress, it could be misery, it could be agony. It could mean the state of being in a great trouble. Distress implies an external and usually temporary cause of great physical and mental strain, physical and mental stress for a person. So when we say somebody is suffering, it implies conscious endurance of pain or of distress. Allah Akbar. So the descriptors for pain will be like injury. Maybe a person is injured and the person feels pain as a result of that. Or the person has some form of illness and the person is feeling pain as a result of that. Or some kind of sensations that are physical in characteristics and they physically you know, apply to the body. So you feel pain with your body, physical body. Somebody who doesn't have a physical body cannot feel any pain. Or somebody whose body is dead cannot feel any pain either. Just like if the doctors have uh, put some anesthetic um, uh, things in a person's body in preparation for a surgery or during a surgical procedure, you get so that the person will not feel pain in that part of the body. There will be that numbness. So when the cells and the receptors have been deadened, the person will not feel pain. Meaning that it seems to me that pain is a physical thing. It's something that has to do with our physical body, our veins, our ligaments, and the other parts of our body that can be physically seen or felt. Yes, seen, one thing. Felt is another thing. If the person that owns the body is not feeling the pain, you cannot feel the pain on behalf of that person on the physical level. But suffering is when you are enduring a pain. And this pain has some mental characteristics attached to it. And suffering is a sensation of the mind, if there's anything like sensing of the mind. The mind may not have its own receptors the way we have them in the physical body, but it's a way of experiencing the pain in the mind. You see, we feel an injury or sensation. We think of being subjected to something or enduring something in distress, but when it comes to, the, to suffering, it's a mental thing. So what is the opposite of pain and opposite of suffering? The opposite of pain is pleasure. Opposite of suffering is also pleasure also. 
or sometimes it could be desire or what we call shawa. You have a desire for something and then you have this, um, maybe some of this hedonistic experience in your mind, if there's anything like that, that happens to be the opposite of suffering. There are many types of suffering a person will have. We have the physical suffering. We have the mental suffering, emotional and psychological suffering. Don't forget, I said um, suffering is our mind's way of relating to the pains that we feel. Your mind is able to decipher what that pain is. And it also requires that your mind should understand that that is actually pain. Some people feel pain, but they don't see it as something so terrible. As they don't think it is so bad like that for them to feel that pain. Our interpretation of the pain we feel is a matter of the mind sometimes, a matter of our perception sometimes. It could even be a cultural thing. They tell you, no, that is not pain. And then you start believing that, well, it's not pain. It's actually okay for somebody to feel that way. But I believe that every human being, unless a person has some conditions that make them not to feel pain, we hear of some medical conditions like that, that a person will not feel any pain at all. A particular child was born with that condition, and they have to be following the child up and down because the child could just put the hand on the stove and forget the hands there, and the hand will get bumped. The child couldn't feel any pain, and so the child could not even feel hungry. So they have to like do everything for the child, wear a helmet for the child, and wear all of these paddings as if the child wants to ride a bicycle for the first time. Because the child will fall, I will not feel any pain. Allah Akbar. I also heard of a friend who said um, he never felt headache before. He said headache. He was asking me, how, how does it feel when you say you have headache? He said, is this that something will be uh, affecting your head or anything? I said, no, it's a kind of ache. He said, what is ache? He has heard of pain. He feels pain, actually, but he doesn't know ache. He said he has never, he said he hears people using analgesics and things, and he never used it before because he doesn't know what they mean by headache. He only knows they use it in English language, that you, you give me headache, something like that. So, let's say a sister of a pain is ache. Stomach, stomach ache or stomach pain is all the same. Then suffering. Is suffering a choice? Is it a choice that we are not aware that we have made or we are making? We can choose not to suffer only if we can become aware that we are choosing to suffer. And when we are capable of choosing not to suffer. For most people, choosing not to suffer is not an option. Consider the suffering caused by the loss of a loved one. If somebody dies, you didn't have a choice. You feel the pain of the heart. So the pain of your heart now, not that you have this physiological pain in your heart, as in heart disease, the pain of your heart, or let me say the pain of your mind, is what we refer to as suffering. They say you are suffering the loss of a loved one. You remember I said we interchange it, we say it's paining me or I feel pained, you know. I feel your pain of the, because of the loss of your loved one. So sometimes we don't have option. We, it just happens to us and we have to suffer. Or a child that is born with a painful disease or a congenital 
birth disorder. That child didn't have any choice in suffering. It just, it just happens. And you have to suffer like that. Allah Akbar. So what we call somebody who cares for other people's suffering, who helps other people out of their suffering, we say they are philanthropists, we say they are helpers, we say they are assisters, assisters, if there's anything like that. We say they are palliative people. People who are responsible to improve the quality of human life. That's how we call them. What do you call somebody that enjoys or derives pleasure in pain, in receiving pain, or in suffering? That person is a messagist. Messagist. It's, it's a psychological condition for someone who derives pleasure in pain. And what of someone who derives pleasure in inflicting pain on somebody else? That's a sadist. And many other names that people call, especially both physical and mental or psychological, we say that person is a sadist. Somebody who likes to see other people suffer or who likes to Im impose or inflict suffering condition or situation in somebody else. There are so many other ways through which people suffer. It may apply to personal injury, you see, I'm suffering the pain, or physical impairment. Maybe the person has some incapacity or the person is uh, incapacitated in some ways, or some physical pain that we have or some, as a result of injury or somebody receives a he very heavy blow or knock, or some form of disfigurement that can cause pain or suffering to the person that impairs the person's movement or the person's ability to do things. Loss of quality of life is another way of suffering that people go through. Loss of enjoyment of life is a way of suffering. Then grief, like we mentioned earlier on, a person is grieving the loss of somebody. Then depression is also suffering. You are suffering from depression. Another thing that may interest you is anger is a form of suffering. When you are angry, you are actually suffering without realizing it. So if you make it a choice to be angry, then you have chosen to suffer. If you have made it a choice to be so angry that you don't want to forgive somebody, you have chosen to suffer. It will be staring in your stomach. It's, 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 it's like self-inflicted suffering. When you say, I will never forgive this person, you carry that pain, you carry the ache, you carry disappointment, you carry the everything, all the weight and burden of um, vendetta. You carry it all around with you. It is very heavy. It's a form of suffering. And I think a person has a choice in this. Do we have a choice? It can be very difficult a choice to make because we have not heard yet of an eraser with which you can erase some things from your head. Remembering certain things can also constitute suffering when you cannot remove some thoughts from your head. You cannot remove some thoughts from your mind, memories of hurts and harms that people have done to you. That's a lot of suffering, honestly. It can be very, very devastating. So what is pain? Everybody knows what pain is. Anybody here who has never experienced pain before, we all know the answer to this now. And then we even know when we are in pain. When you are in pain, you will know. If a woman that has ever experienced menstrual cramp before, you know the definition of pain or a woman that has ever given birth to a child before and you had to go through the labor in the natural way without any intervention of the modern day medical um, pain relief, then you know what pain is. Allah Akbar. So pain, it's um, sometimes referred to as punishment or penalty that you impose on somebody. In fact, Allah Akbar, 
Pain is even one of the things with which Allah will punish people in the day of judgment. Allah will say, Fabashirun bi adabin alimin. Give them the tiding of a painful punishment. So when we talk about punishment, we talk about pain. They are inseparable. Suffering in the grave or suffering in the shaton, like the ones we learn in the Islamic um, uh, eschatological studies, we get to see that there are some kind of pains and sufferings that are attached to punishment of defaulters in their duties of coming to this world. Don't forget, people who are owing, the, the way you pay your rent for coming to this world is by doing good deeds. So if you didn't do good deeds, it means you are owing rent. And you are going to be, you are going to be jailed for that. Jailed in hellfire for a very long time. May Allah save us from that. So pay your dues. Pay your rent for coming to this world. So there are various forms of uh, pains. We have the sensory ones. We have the emotional pain. There's also social pains. We have pains of awkwardness. We have pains of enmity, pain of ill name, pains of piety, pain of benevolence, pain of memory. I mentioned that one earlier on, when you are remembering some things and you cannot remove it. Pain of imagination. You keep imagining some things that you don't want to continue to imagine. Or you are imagining something and it is constituting some suffering and pain in your head. Imagining some things. Imagining things. You know? Imagining things. Like a lady that is imagining who the husband is chatting with on the phone. And she's imagining that she will be chatting with the girlfriend. She'll be feeling some pain. She'll be suffering. <laughs> suffering. Only for her to realize that the husband was trying to negotiate school fees of the children with the school owners that he should please give him some more time to pay. But this woman will be suffering because she is imagining what the husband is doing. Ah, where's my husband now? Hello, salam alaikum, habu. Where are you? Who are you talking to? Who are you with? Who is talking to you? Who are you chatting with? That is suffering. She has choice to avoid that, but she still goes forlorn into that and really saw suffer. May Allah save us from that. Hey, men too suffer too. Men also suffer when their wives are traveling. Hello, where are you? Are you in public transport? Who is sitting beside you? Are you in the aircraft? Who is the person beside you? Are you at the air aisle or you are at the window side? Who is the person beside you? Is it a man or a woman? Okay, give, give, it's a woman. Give her the phone, give her the phone. I want to confirm if it's a woman or not. Is the pilot a man or a woman? <laughs> now you see, he's suffering because of his imaginations, just imaginations. And that's why paranoia is a form of suffering too. When you are paranoid, you are suspicious of things and everybody, it's a lot of suffering. You can't eat, you can't drink, you don't trust anybody. When you sneeze like this, you think somebody is, is calling your name, especially when something is making some sound in your ear, be like some enemies are calling my name right now. Ahuzubillah. Now you see how people suffer now. Oh, Allah have mercy on us. Let's quickly look at some varieties, some types of pain and suffering. Right? In the Quran, Allah informs us that there will be trials. Allah has told us there will be tests. Allah has told us there will be tribulations. Allah says, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ حَتَّى نَعْلَمَ الْمُجَاهِدَ مِنْكُمْ وَالصَّوْبِرِينَ وَنَبْلُوَ أَخْبَارُكُمْ We are going to be testing you and trying you until we know those who are pious amongst you. And we are going to be testing your tale to confirm and to prove to you who you truly think you are. 
in terms of, of relation to Almighty Allah. So trials, Allah has already informed them. Allah said, I'm going to be testing you with this, with that, with that, with that. So we are aware. We have been told, and it is certain, that we are going to suffer. It is through many tribulations that Allah selects people for paradise, and it is through many tribulations that Allah will test our tail with regard to the relationship we have with him as our creator. So we should not be surprised by scorching trials sometimes. It is no strange, a strange thing to a believer to undergo them. We all know, especially as Muslims, that we are going to undergo trials. The only thing is that sufferings and trials, they take different forms. We suffer in different ways and for different reasons. Our afflictions as believers are not uniform. There's nothing like Ashwabi for suffering. Yeah, there's nothing like uniform for suffering. People suffer in different ways. Your own suffering is different from mine. My own suffering is different from yours. Although we shall all suffer in one form or the other. Allah's marking scheme for our trials also vary. The expectations for us are not always the same. Allah says, La you can live for Lao Nafsan, it loves Aha. Allah will not impose on any soul except what it can bear. Meaning that your own trial is something you can do. And my own trial is something I can do. We don't feel pain the same way. And so Allah's marking us or scorning us by virtue of these trials and tribulations are not going to be the same. Get it? So this means that part of what we must learn is that suffering involves wise discernment, wise understanding about the particular kind of trial we are undergoing and the way we are to respond should be appropriate to our understanding of the kind of trials we are going through. In other words, suffering is a very big topic. There are so many helpful information in the Quran and Hadith that we can learn from, and there are also so many examples of the prophets of Allah and righteous servants of Allah that went through trials and sufferings, and these, their sufferings are not the same. They, they experience their trials in so many different ways. The trial of Yusuf is not the same thing as trial of Ayub, not the same thing as trial of Suleiman, not exactly the same as the trial of Dawood, not exactly the same thing as the trial of Ismail, and totally different from the trial of Muhammad So everybody will have their own trial, unique to you, as unique as your fingerprint. So we cannot talk about people who went through trials without mentioning Ayub. And this is the person whose home we want to go and visit now. But before we visit him, let's look at some of those different types of trials. And you begin to see which one resembles yours inside. Or whichever one you are going through, you'll be able to analyze and be like, yes, this is this type of trial that I'm going through. Number one is the trial of suffering for sin. S-I-N, sin. The most obvious explanation for the presence of pain in our lives in the present age could be our own sin, both individual and collective sinfulness. Sins a must. Allah has created everything good. Allah is alladhi ahsana kulla shayin khalqo. It's Allah that has made everything to be good in the creation. But human beings, we commit sins. 
And these sins will bring along with it all its consequences in form of sorrow, in form of loneliness, in form of shame, in form of heartache, in form of betrayal, and sometimes in form of poverty. These consequences recur so frequently and deeply in our daily life that it hardly occurs to us to view our shame and our poverty, our insecurity and our sadness as intruders in the world, beautiful world that Allah has created. Many of these things need not have happened if not for our iniquities that are boundless. It is unwise to underestimate the profound depths of human misery that exists for no other reason than our sin and rebellion against Almighty Allah. Imagine, imagine if nobody steals. And stealing happened to be the peak of all sins you can ever commit. If a person commits adultery, he's stealing from somebody's honey pot. If a person should worship others but Allah, he's stealing Allah's right to be worshipped alone. Almost anything you want to say. When you betray somebody, you steal the person's trust in you. You stole it away. And the person has no trust for you again. What if, just imagine, if we all discharge our obligations towards each other, when the Quran says, how full will be fulfill all obligations? What if we all obey Allah and his Rasul? What if we all bring benefit to humanity? When professors the best of you is the one that brings the best or the most of benefit to humanity. Can you imagine how the world would change if you never lied? You. If you never lied, if you never cheated, if you never stole anything, if you've never been jealous, if you have never been petty or arrogant, if you have never hurt or slighted another human being, how beautiful would this world have been? But you see, Natural disasters and disease might still exist, but war will be a thing of the past. So long as we do not commit the sin of injuring or harming or hurting one another or betraying each other's trust, police will no longer be needed if we stop sinning and no more courts or jails or lawyers as well. Many lawyers are going to lose their jobs because we'll stop fighting and we'll stop quarreling and we'll stop needing them. We will not even need to write agreement because we know we will not commit the sin of cheating on one another. You will never have to lock your door at night. You will never have to worry about your children being harmed when they go in the street. You will never have to check your husband's phone again. And you will never have to call your wife to ask if she was truly sitting beside a man or a woman in the aircraft. Imagine if you were safe with every other human being, both physically and, rash and relationally. It takes one's breath away to imagine how much of the world's mystery is actually our own fault. We suffer because of our sins. People will be in abject poverty because some people deny them their right to grow. You see people suffering pain because they cannot afford to pay the bills for the hospital. Why? Because some people somewhere refuse to allow them to be able to do that, or refuse to give them the, the ability to grow or the fertile ground to thrive so that they can take good care of themselves. One way or other, you will find the sin of a child of Adam in every suffering that every child of Adam is going through. Either the person is responsible for it by himself, 
or somebody else is responsible for that. It's a collective thing. We are all sinners. So some of the suffering you see in the world is as a result of our sin. The Quran says, Wama asoba kum, mi musibatin. Fabi ma kasabad aidikum, wayafu an kathir. Any musiba, any evil, any suffering that you ever experience, look at it very well, it will be because of what your hands have put forth. Wayafu an kathir. But Allah forgive so many of them. Allah overlooks a lot of them. That's why we are still where we are now. It will have been worse. So anytime you see disease, it could be because the humans refuse to seek for knowledge that will make these things to be ameliorated for them. Hmm. Take note of that. Disease, sickness, illness, trials, a lot of sufferings of hunger and lack. If you look at it very well, this could be Allah Akbar as a result of the excruciating consequences of our own iniquities. May Allah forgive us. But you see, Allah will not do that to us every time. Allah says, وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ My mercy overpowers or overshadows or encompasses everything. If not for the mercy of Almighty Allah, where will we be? What would have happened to us? So the question is not whether you are a sinner or not. The question is, what does Allah expect of you if you sin so that you don't suffer the consequences too much? It is just for you to repent. If we repent, Allah will forgive us. And repentance is for you to turn around and turn a little leaf. The Prophet Ali said, The person who repents from sin is like somebody without any sin. So we can remove these sufferings by making a repentance and making a U-turn. Allah didn't impose it on us. We wrought it with our own hands. Sometimes we are the crafters. We are the ones who weave the atmakasa of our own suffering. Let me put it that way. We are the ones who spin the web of our own suffering by what our hands put forth. Allah Akbar. And the Prophet said, Kullu bani Adam Every child of Adam is a sinner, and the best of those who commit sin are those who repent. So that is one form of suffering, and that's one source of suffering. If you see suffering anywhere in the world, look at it very well. Maybe they have a bad government, or they have bad people at the helm of their affairs who are committing the sin of greed and lack of care for people and the sin of not discharging people's duties or rights towards them. May Allah have mercy on us. Let me quickly mention another type of suffering. Spiritual growth and suffering. Not a punitive thing, but as a catalyst for growth. We see this type at work in emotional and powerful experiences that Yusuf had in his life, in his journeys of life. Yusuf was betrayed by his brothers. He even he narrowly avoided or escaped being murdered by his own brothers. And you see, they even had to court the prophet by selling him as a slave at the time. Then he languished for two years in prison, and um, after a completely false accusation, of course. You see, all of these sufferings that he was going through, it was meant to lead to something. Suffering because you are on a journey or on a path to growth in life is another type of suffering. That's what I'm saying. All those things that Yusuf went through, including when he was thrown into the world, remember that episode now? 
How does it feel when you are in the well, submerged in the well, and let's say the water has reached your throat? You can't sit down, you can't lie down. You can't recline, and you can't complain that your, your, your legs are aching because you have been standing for so long. You can't fall asleep. And look at it, the water will begin to gradually erode your skins. So imagine, put yourself in the shoe of Yusuf and the kind of pain he was going through. The kind of suffering he was going through. I, I need you to just experiment this for five minutes. Well, don't try it at home. Don't go inside the well. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> what I'm saying, just imagine it. Don't do it in reality. Just imagine you being so much in a well that is dark, that is dingy. Maybe, it is, maybe you are even feeling cold. Or maybe down, down there is very hot. The heat is affecting your head and the cold is affecting your body. And then your brain becomes confused. The right brain is processing the heat, the left brain is processing the cold, and the two brains together are regretting and processing what the, what the Masha Allah is it that made, <laughs> that made my brothers to betray me like this? Well, I, I, I didn't know how to say it. Yes, just imagine, imagine that now. Come on, imagine it now. Imagine what would be going on in your head if you were Yusuf. But all these ones, Yusuf understood that those sufferings were a suffering in the process of growth. And that was why when he eventually got to be triumphant, he forgave his brothers. He forgave them because he knew that the dream he had, when he said to his father, I saw 11, you know, I saw the stars and the moons and the, this, even the sun. I saw all of them prostrating the bound down before me. And the father perhaps interpreted the dream to him and he understood it very well. Maybe he knew, maybe he didn't know that before you can achieve or realize this dream, you have to go through some sufferings. And so perhaps at the end of it all, he got to realize that, okay, this is the interpretation of that dream, and all those sufferings were meant to make me reach where I'm supposed to go. So if you are going through such a suffering or trial in life, understand very well, no hard feelings, it's just necessary. Because the process of growth and transition, the process of transformation and transmogrification are not without pains and sufferings. Transmogrification is the process of, of uh, for example, a butterfly transiting from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. And you see, the butterfly is not a better caterpillar. It's something that's entirely different from what it was. That is transmogrification. I don't think it was picnic for the butterfly to go through that. And the case in point also is the labor pain of a pregnant woman about to deliver a baby. The baby himself being born is not exempted from feeling his own pains and sufferings. You know, at the point of birth, switching from life in the womb to a life of long breathing is not a tickle. I don't think any baby will be born smiling. It must have been quite a painful ordeal, both for the baby and for the mother. We don't even know whether it's the baby that was born or it's the mother that was born. Allah Akbar. Oh, Allah have mercy on us.
So a woman that's going through labor pain, of course she knows that this suffering is coming to a good end. She is not going through that thinking that the whole world hates her. Although some women say all sort of nasty things whenever they are in their labor pain, they say all sort of things that are unprintable. Oh, Allah have us on us. But you should realize that Allah allowed your ordeal for every important purpose. Allah is working you through something greater for you. Allah is making you when you are going through this kind of suffering. Allah is building you. Allah is equipping you for something that is greater. And when you are going through this kind of suffering that is, you know, meant to be a transition or, or transmogrification or transformation, you should know that Allah has a purpose for that. So just like chill and enjoy the ride. Because a fruit is usually bitter before it gets ripe and sweet. This might just be a path you have to pass through to reach your destination in the journey of life. Going through school, not getting appropriate sponsorship, having to manage to eat, having to struggle to read, having to struggle to study. These are some kind of sufferings, but they are okay because you know where you are going afterwards. You know that you are making this suffering for a purpose. That shouldn't be a problem, right? So you, you agree, you should just chill and accept it like that. You are trying to grow, you are going through apprenticeship, you are learning a trade, and so on and so forth. Whatever suffering you go through, they just endure it and chill. You, you'll be all right. You'll be okay. Not for you to go sit down somewhere and be crying as if uh, something bad is happening to you. Now, let me mention another type of suffering. Suffering as persecution, when you are being persecuted. You know, whenever you stand up for the truth, or you have a great idea that should benefit humanity, there are chances that you'll be persecuted and you will suffer for it. And you could be mocked sometimes. You could be whipped. You could be beaten. You could be stoned. Just like Rasulullah was stoned in Taif. He was so stoned that he, he laid down bleeding and his leather socks were soaked because he was stoned. Many people are suffering right now because they stand for the truth. And there are so many hadiths of the Prophet that mentioned, you know, Allah Akbar, Kababun Arat. He explained to Allah's mercy of the persecution inflicted on them by the infidels. And the, while the Prophet was sitting in the shade of the Kaaba, leading over his burut, that is his covering sheet, Kababun Arat, he said, Ya Rasulullah, why don't you pray that Allah should help us? Why don't you seek Allah's help for us? We are suffering. Would you? Pray to Allah for us. This is too much when they are going through persecution. And Prophet said, Among the nations before you are a believing man or woman that will be put in a ditch that was dug for him, and his soul will be put on his head to cut his head into two. And yet, that torture will not make him to give up his religion. You are going through persecution. There are some people who are persecuted before you. Somebody whose body will be combed with iron combs that will remove his flesh from his bones and the nerves. Yet, the pain and the agony will not make him to abandon his religion. Whatever it is, endure. Whenever you stand for the truth, this is what you expect. Allah's expectation for the people when they are being persecuted is that they should remain unflinching and they should remain steadfast in their faith and good works. It depends on your circumstances and where you are, 
you will surely be persecuted if you stand for what is true or if you stand for what is good. Even if it's not in religiosity, if you stand for any truth anywhere in the world, either the powers that be or the people that you are challenging, they will rise against you and they will persecute you, they will shout you down. So beware when you are going through that kind of suffering or you are trying not to be corrupt, you are trying to be upright. It's a lot of suffering. You could have stolen money too, like other people do, but because you don't steal, you have your principles to uphold, you will suffer. And when you suffer this kind of thing, endure because you are suffering while you are on the path of truth. Let anybody that's going through this just chill and understand very well that it is normal. It is normal. You can't just be an upright person and everybody will cheer you up. What made you think that by being a good person, everybody would like you? It is even when you are a good person that you have a lot of enemies, a lot of haters, a lot of critics. They want to run you down and they will deny you a lot of things. So you may likely suffer. You suffer pain. You suffer injury. You suffer persecution. You suffer criticism. Sometimes you suffer neglect. You suffer betrayal. Sometimes you suffer untold punishment, undeserved punishment. When they say that you are upright and truthful, you may not even get your promotion as, as at when due. But when you are a liar, when you are a cheat, when you are deceptive, the world will clap for you. The world will applaud you and they will say you are the good person. You may be persecuted because you are a righteous person. A decent Muslim lady will not get a husband. A lady that exposes herself, wears only bra and bikini on Instagram, will get a husband. That is the deception of dunya. You may be suffering because this dunya itself is very deceptive. And that means you are being persecuted by Shaitan himself and the people of Shaitan. May Allah have mercy on all of those who are going through these persecutions in one form or the other. May Allah really, really have mercy on us. A woman will be upright and nice now, then the husband will be persecuting her, will be cheating on her, will be betraying her, will be beating her up sometimes. Physical abuse, mental torture. Some men try to be upright too, and their women deride them. They demean them. They call them all sorts of names. If you are going through this, just chill. It's something that people of your have also experienced. It's a kind of suffering and you should understand this very well and find out what you can do about it. Then another one, number four, is suffering in search of mentorship. Hmm. And this brings to mind what Prophet Musa had to go through in search of a mentor in Khidr. Look at Surat Al-Kaf. You hear that kind of... This kind of spiritual training is meant to teach you the dependence in the midst of need and to make you to have deep understanding of how things work in the universe. It is not a punishment for sin. It is something that overlaps many other things, especially the one we say when you are trying to grow. But this one is unique on its own because take for instance now the life of Musa when when it called Musa Lifatah, when Musa said to his slave or to his um, servant, he said, La abrahu hatta abloga al Bahrain he said, I will not give up until I reach the junction of the two seas, even if I have to spend untold years in my quest for this. I will not give up. 
and he kept going and going falamma balagha majma'a bainihima nasiya hutahuma fatakhadha sabilahu fil bahri saraba and when they reached the junction between two seas they forgot all about their fish and the fish went away and then falamma jawaza qala li fata when they reached the place they were supposed to go they have reached a lot of distance qala li fata he said to his servant atina ghada ana bring our meal bring our midday meal Indeed, we have suffered a lot of hardship in this our journey. That was Musa He said, we are tired. Why? Because he was looking for something. In the path of progress, spiritual path of development, you are going to be tired. You are going to go through a lot of suffering. I need you to read the rest of that story. And that is when they forgot their fish, they see how to go back and retrace their steps until when they met Khidr. And when they met Khidr, it was another journey on its own. Test and trial of patience and perseverance. Before you can learn how things work, you got to suffer sometimes. Spiritual journeys are not picnics. Sometimes you have to go through hardship. Musa had to go through that hardship to the extent that he was saying to his servant, we are tired. And despite that tiredness, this is one thing, he couldn't go back. His resolve and determination made him to keep moving and to keep moving until when he met Khidr. And like I said, even when he met Khidr, it was not a piece of cake either. And in the same way, Allah sometimes allows difficulty Allah allows instability in your lives and a kind of lack to pervade your lives in order to train us in trusting him and to provide for us day by day when other normal resources are taken away from us, including our convenience. And there's another suffering that is similar to this. The journey of spiritual experience, like the journey of Hajj in pilgrimage, is a kind of journey on its own that has a lot of things attached to the monastic. It, you experience a lot of, Allah Akbar, a, a lot of uh, inconveniences when you go on Hajj. You experience a lot of hunger, a lot of asceticism, a lot of deprivation, a lot of stress when you go for Hajj. Even if you like, do Hajj with Tamatur, the Hajj of enjoyment, you still suffer. If you don't want to suffer, then you can't go on Hajj. You go through inconveniences. You remove your dress and you wear another one that every other person is wearing. You lose your identity at the point. You lose your prestige at the point. You sacrifice your greatness, your bigness. Let me use that word. You like literally remove it and put it aside. Yes, you get to be equal with every other person. It's an equal, equalizer. You are equal with other people. It's not so convenient. It's a lot of suffering. If you understand what it is, for somebody who has people at his beck and call, only for him to have to do that. Somebody who has thousands of clothes in his wardrobe, he has to remove all that, and especially we men. Now, it's a kind of suffering. It's because some of us are used to it. That's why we don't feel it. But for people who are very great and mighty, it's a lot that they are sacrificing. But when you do this, you do it for the sake of Allah. And Allah says, when you go for Hajj, be prepared for the only preparation I need from you is your God consciousness. Put everything aside. 
and then you have to go to Muna, you sleep like any other person on the floor. Some of us did VIP before they gave us mattress. Allah Akbar. <laughs> they gave us mattress. So this is suffering. You find similar suffering in fasting when you cannot discuss, you cannot describe the pain of hunger you are feeling. You don't even want to talk about it. Especially during Ramadan. How will you say it to your children? They say, Mommy, what's wrong with you? You'll be like, Ah. Ah. Yeah, salam. They'll be like, Daddy, why do you look sick like this in the afternoon of Ramadan? In the afternoon of fast, be like, ah, we, are, we are fasting. Oh, we are fasting. And that's why when Ramadan is about to go, you see some guys will be rejoiced. Allah, mashallah, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And yet Allah says, I am a madudat. The days of fasting are numbered. You are not going to go through that forever. It's just for a month. And honestly, you must understand, this is a, another kind of suffering. If you are going through in a spiritual way, don't be, don't be worried, don't be sad. It's normal for a person who wants to grow spiritually. Salat is another kind of suffering. You do this five times a day. If you don't know the worth, you should begin to know the worth of your salat now. So don't joke with your salat. And don't trivialize it. Don't think it is something where you are so used to it and it doesn't give you that vibe of energy. No vibe of spiritual energy. You must have it. Especially tahajjud, subhanallah. It's a lot of inconvenience. It's a lot of, it's a lot of suffering. When you are awake and other people are asleep, and you are doing this voluntarily because of Allah. It's a kind of suffering that you should not let it bother you. Just do it for the sake of Allah. The Prophet said, The paradise is surrounded by hardship and the hellfire is surrounded by temptation. So you have a lot of hardship around you when you are somebody who is suffering on the path of spirituality. Now, let me tell you another kind of pain and suffering that is inexplicable and that's unexpected and that doesn't have any category. And this has nothing to do with whether you committed a sin or not, whether it's Allah is punishing you for a sin. It doesn't have anything to do with spiritual growth because Allah is not expecting you to grow again. You have already grown before Allah brings this kind of trial. It is not a persecution by enemies. It is not one enemy somewhere that's bringing you this kind of suffering. And not a struggle for mentorship to find direction in life. You already have a direction in life. Even as these things overlap with each other, yet this kind of suffering is different. It is unique. It is not even for Allah to test your endurance in Ibadah. It is the kind of suffering that Ayub went through. The kind of suffering that makes you to ask, Oh Allah, why me? The kind of suffering that doesn't have any roots, doesn't have any basis. The kind of suffering that you are innocent, you don't even know anything about it. The kind of suffering that is so stupefying, so disturbing. The kind of suffering that nobody needs to tell anybody that you are actually suffering. Everybody knows you are suffering. And the kind of suffering you cannot pinpoint. You will be thinking that, ah, but where did I get it wrong? And you can't find it. You'll be looking for answers as to why you are suffering like this, and you can't get an answer. In fact, the people who will tell you the answer, they are as confused as you are. And this is the unique suffering of Ayub, a prophet of Allah, 
a righteous servant of Allah who never committed any sin, and yet he went through that kind of hardship. Think about it now. What did he do? Who did he offend? And who did this to him? If you feel or ever felt the same way like this, your suffering is a model, modeled after that of Ayub, wassalam. Now, let me tell you briefly about Ayub, wassalam. He was from the descendants of Ibrahim, wassalam. We do not know a lot about him. He is mentioned very briefly in the Quran. His, his story didn't trend in the Quran like that of Musa, wassalam, for example, or like that of Isa, wassalam, for example. He didn't trend that much. The verses that talk about him are not plenty. He didn't even have a surah named after him in the Quran. Yet, there are some details given by Israeliyah, the stories from the people of the book about him. Ayub, as described in the Quran, he was named as Ayub, which means the patient. Ayub, the patient one. And Allah knows why he gave him that name. Ayub, the patient one. Maybe that was his nickname. Maybe that was his real name. But Ayub means the patient one. What's the meaning of Suleiman? Like I told you the other time, the meaning of Suleiman is the man of peace. And some people say the meaning of Noha or the nickname of Noha was Abdul Ghaffar, the servant of the Lord who forgives because everything about this life was about asking his people to ask Allah's forgiveness. Allah Akbar. Then what's the nickname of Muhammad? The praised one, the praiseworthy one. Allah Akbar. But generally, Ayub was prosperous. He had firm faith in Allah. He had vast farms, enormous wealth, many cattle, valuable property. But this thing didn't make him to be arrogant. His wealth provided him with a medium by which he sought Allah's grace. He was extremely generous, according to what they said. But with all the generosity and this patience, he suffered from a number of calamities and he didn't say anything bad against Allah. One day, his big farms were attacked by the thieves because at a point, they said Shaitan went to suggest and you know, whisper to the people of, this, of the city that look at him. He's only saying he's a man of God because he had never tasted poverty ever in his life. He is being generous because he has abundance that he didn't even work for. It's not you people that were laboring for him. Aren't you people his servants? And let's try and see if all of these things were taken from him, whether he would not renounce his faith in Allah. And at the point, she told them to be like, look, you people are just foolish. Go and take your share from his farm. That cannot be only for him. It belongs to all of you. So they went and carried away his cattle. They stole his things and they plundered his farm. After a while, as he was beginning to wrap his head around that one, at a time, the roof of the house fell at one sweep on all of his family members. All his children were crushed under the building that fell on them at once in one day. Despite that, he felt, well, this came from Allah, and Allah took them away. Well, he tried to shrug it. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Skin disease started. His part of his bodies were covered with a lot of sores. And some people even said these sores were so much, and this sickness was so much that even some worms were beginning to move from one hole to the other in the things that were created in his body. He had so much illness, Allah Akbar, so much illness that the people of his time then even made him to become proverbial. They say the patience of Job, the patience of Ayub. 
He went through all of these illnesses at one point or the other, one after the other, and at a point, he had to suffer all of these together. After a while, the people got tired of him, and they sent him away from town. They said he would bring bad luck to everyone. It's like they held a meeting and they sent delegation and they shouted to him from the distance, we don't want you here again. You are a bad luck to this place. If not, how can all of this thing happen to only you at once? Allah Akbar. And the only person that left with him was his wife. His wife stood by him. And at a point when they were somewhere, the wife used to go and do manual job for people, go to serve people, and they would pay. Imagine that madam that was controlling all of those things that belonged to the husband. She had to go and do manual jobs, and they would pay her you know, a, a, a token, and she would use it to buy food to go feed her sick husband at the outskirts of the town. She was doing that day in, day out, until there came a time when she couldn't even make that money. She didn't have that money to even buy food for her husband. And so what did she do? She did something that she should not have done or she had never done before. She cut her long hair and went to sell it to the wife of a rich man. She got some money from there, bought some food, and brought it for her husband. The husband said, where did you get this money from? Where did you get the food from? She didn't want to say. Eventually, she confessed that actually I didn't steal it and I didn't do anything bad. I only cut my hair and sold it and used to buy this food for you so that you will not starve on top of these pains that you are going through. And Ayub became so angry that, how can you do that? How? How can you do that? This is all you have. This is your beauty. This is everything of yours. How will you do that? Because of me. And you see, some women will rather do anything because of their husband. There's nothing they will not do because of their husband. This woman exemplifies such kind of a woman. When the Quran talks about righteous women in the Quran, this is a woman that was mentioned in the passing. And many of you read about Ayub without remembering her. It's not fair. Yes, they went through all that together. They went through all that together. Allah Akbar. Because of that, Ayub said, look, this thing you have done, I'm so angry. And I swear by Allah, that when I recover from this sickness, I'm going to beat you for that. I'm going to give you 100 lashes because of what you have just done. And so the story went ahead. After a while, Almighty decided to have pity on him. And with all of that pity also, Allah allowed this ordeal to meet him. The same way that this ordeal will meet any of us at any point in time. I'm going to tell you more about what happened to his wife and what happened to him. But I want you to remember the case in point of many other prophets of Almighty Allah who suffered all of these things just like Ayub did. And this Ayub-like suffering is a proof of something. It's a proof of a relationship with Almighty Allah. It doesn't prove whether you are a sinner or not. It's not a proof to say, okay, you have a picture-perfect existence and so you don't offend Allah again. It's a proof of what to you, how do you relate with Almighty Allah your closeness to Almighty Allah. It is similar to that of Ibrahim wasalam. When Ibrahim said he was Khalilullah, the friend of Allah, and Allah said, if you truly love me and I'm your friend, truly, that son I gave you the other time, give me back. Allah wanted to see, is your, the love of your son and your family, is it the same as the love you have for me as a moi? And the same thing, 
with the love of other things that Allah did to people. Look at Muhammad Nobody loved the children, nobody loved the orphans better than Muhammad. Yet, and you see, it's a test. Allah will test you in things that you love most just to establish his own relationship with you. Are you real or you are fake? This is a kind of suffering that is different from any other one. This kind of suffering is so personal between you and Almighty Allah. Allah Akbar. It's a kind of reality that Allah brings. Allah brings this ordeal to you and Allah wants to see how you are going to react, what you are going to do about the relationship between you and him. That is why it's a very difficult trial, a very difficult thing to go through. With all your wisdom and everything, it may not amount to anything. It's not because you are stupid. It's because this is a kind of suffering that is uniquely yours. Tailor-made for you. Allah Akbar. And you see this sort will just like fit you like gloves. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar Kabira. It explores a particular kind of ordeal in which this, the pain seems both inexplicable and fruitless. You even sometimes be wondering, what, what, what is the end result of all of it? What does Allah actually want to gain from this thing? You can't see the fruit. You know, you, you know if you are suffering because you are going through a training, you say, okay, well, I will soon see the result of my training. If you are suffering because of a sin you committed, you'll be like, okay, Allah will soon forgive me for this one. But for this particular one, you can't even see the fruit in sight. You get that just now? It means this is a kind of trial that it's your piety that Allah is interested in. Sometimes Allah allows this are you black or this, not because he's angry with us, not because he's trying to teach us a lesson, but in order to prove the reality of our relationship with him. What Allah wants from us in this are you black ordeal is not to repent or to grow spiritually, but simply to hold on to him because we are already spiritually advanced. That's why Allah gives you this kind of unique ordeal. That's just it. We will probably say some foolish things along the way because we are a human being, of which we may even later get to be ashamed of, but Allah will be gentle with us in this kind of ordeal. When a person is asking, why me? And these are some questions you don't even ask aloud. You'll be asking within yourself, me that makes salat, oh Allah. Me that prays five times a day, ya Allah. Me that fasts in the month of Ramadan, ya Allah. Me that does the hajjud, me that does Mondays and Thursdays, ya Allah. Me that my hands are clean, ya Allah. Me that doesn't hurt anyone. Me that doesn't injure anyone. Me that doesn't steal. Me that doesn't cheat. Oh Allah, me, me. It is me, Allah. Me that I, Allah reason this thing now. It, it's me. It's me. You'll be like almost introducing yourself to Allah. Oh Allah, let me let me explain. Let me explain to you. Oh yes. Oh. Oh yeah, Allah. You, you, you'll be like, but is it not the same Allah they talk about? Don't they say Allah is merciful? Is Allah not merciful anymore? Why, why should, should he do this to me? Me that didn't commit zina, me that didn't do abortion. Why should I now be married and not have a child? Oh Allah, it is me now. 
is me. And you begin to, to wonder. That's why I say it's, it's uniquely yours. It's, it's inexplicable. You can't even reason it. You can't even be cerebral about it. It doesn't add up. Why is it that it's me that is good that has to suffer like this? Me that doesn't know any other person to call apart from you. I make dua now. I do sadaka. And I'm righteous in my own way. I go for programs. I attend Asalatu. I read the Quran. I've been on Umrah. I went on Hajj. I went around the Kaaba calling on you to come to my aid. Oh Allah, why aren't you listening? And sometimes everything you say seems to go to a voicemail kind of. And it would be as if Allah is not even listening anymore. Haven't you ever felt like that? And when you begin to look at yourself, you project it into the whole universe. You'll be like, why should an innocent child be suffering? Why should a child be born with congenital disease? Why should somebody die of hunger? Why should natural disasters wipe off all of these people? Why should there be disease? Why should there be war? Why are some people being killed and they don't even know why they are being killed? Why are some people suffering and they don't even know why they are suffering? It is this kind of thing, this kind of are you like ordeal that makes people to think that way. So whenever it happens to you, understand very well now that this is the Ayub in you that Allah is bringing out. It's not about anything, it's just a relationship. And don't ever think that you can wrap your head around everything that's happening in the universe. It is even meant to make you to be more confused because you begin to realize it has to be Allah that should be able to explain all of these things. The thing is, when and how will Allah explain to you? Let me tell you one of the ways that Allah may explain to you. When you see Ayub, for instance, if you were to meet Ayub, or you are to meet an Ayub that is going through this thing we are talking about, how are you going to address a suffering friend of Almighty Allah that is going through some of these kind of things that you know that Ayub had gone through? Number one, you must remember that your friend or this Ayub you are looking at, might be so shocked in the early days of his ordeal that he can barely hear you when you are talking. People who are going through these things, they hardly hear what you are saying. You can lecture him, and as you are lecturing him to be patient, he will just give you a glassy stare. He will just look at you as if, you don't understand what I'm going through. Somebody is going through pain, and you are telling him, just be patient. He'll be like, what do you mean, be patient? What do you mean, be patient? Somebody is going through suffering or poverty and lack and penury. And you tell him, sobro, ya akhi, sobro. Then you will just look at you and say, you can say that now. It's easy for you to say that. If only you understand what I'm going through. So if your friend doesn't respond as well as you would like, or the, your friend doesn't respond at all, it may be because he is simply unable to respond well. Somebody is crying of grief, and you are saying, stop crying. And you wonder, what do you mean, stop crying? Have you removed this affliction? You are telling me to stop crying. Somebody is going through, you say, stop complaining. You'll be like, 
what do you mean stop complaining? If you are in my shoes, you will complain. And that is the truth. So be patient with people who are going through this are you black thing because it's not easy. You can just preach from now till tomorrow, but don't blame them when they cry. Don't blame them when they weep. Don't blame them when they don't want to listen. Don't blame them when they just look at you in some ways. Don't blame them when you say all of those things, they just smile without saying anything. Don't think it's because they don't have Iman. They do, actually. But these things are not easy. So chill when you see an Ayub going through situations. Just bear with them. Another helpful thing you should remember is that people in pain, they can say crazy things. Don't use it to judge their Iman. Some of them may even start blaming Allah for you to hear. No, don't, don't judge them. It is between them and Allah. In fact, sometimes resist the urge to correct them. Resist the urge to criticize them. Because you may be like, Abba, take it easy now. Abba, ah, ah, take it easy now. Are you not, are you not, are you not a Muslim again? You say, are you not a believer anymore? <laughs> ah, believer. <laughs> believer. Your job is not to fix your friend, but your job is to walk with him. Don't just talk to him, also walk with him. Positively, let him know that you will be there for him to support and to assist. Your friend might feel so hot and he feels the love of Allah is far from them. Let them understand that Allah is loving and kind and Allah will always be there for them. And very importantly, when you see an Ayub that is going through pain, find ways, what can you do to ameliorate this pain for them? Don't just say, oh, my heart goes out to you for this you are going through. Roll your sleeves and go deep down to see how you can remove them from this illness or from this sickness or how you can make it easy for them, how you can comfort them, how you can soothe them, how you can calm them down and how you can assist them in any way that you can. That's how to behave towards an Ayub. And let me begin to wrap it up now. What of your restoration to your journey? You have to be patient like Ayub. And let me tell you why you should be patient. It is said that a group of angels argued about human creatures of Allah, and they speak about the creatures of Allah, the servants of Allah. They spoke about Ayub also, because they saw Ayub was a righteous servant of Allah. Some creatures were discussing and debating, will he change? Will he continue like this when poverty comes? He is very generous and kind. Will he change? When Allah removes this thing from him, he is very pious and upright. Will he change? When Allah turns his back against him, will he also turn his back against Allah? Some creatures among the angels are discussing. Are you also being discussed by the angels right now as you speak? Do you know? Are the angels discussing your iman now as we speak? Are the angels discussing your situation now as we speak? Are they wondering whether you are true and authentic? Do you know? Are the genes discussing about you right now? You say you will not commit shirk. And you are very boastful about it. And the genes will be like, let us try him a little. And see whether he will not commit shirk or not. They're just a little, just a little. A day your child has a nightmare and the child cries from the sleep. Don't be so disturbed you are. 
Don't say how disturbed you are. Where is all of this subhanallah? Where is this mashallah? Where all of this inna? You forget all about that. You just had a slight brush with accident. Instead of you to say inna or mashallah, say ah. <laughs> now then the jinns will just be there laughing. Look at this one that says a believer. He didn't even remember to say mashallah like he normally says Allahu Akbar. <laughs> do you know whether some genes are trying you now? Are you being discussed by human beings now? Do you know? Do you know? What do you even know about what is being discussed about you? Ayub was discussed about. Shaitan wanted to see also. There was a lot of conspiracy about him. And so whatever happened to him happened to him because Allah needed to test his relationship with him. Allah said, I'm going to carry you and see how weighty you are. I'm going to try you. So you say you have faith, eh? Just wait and see. Not only because you are faithful, some people are evil and devilish. And sometimes Allah try them too. Oh, you think you are devilish, eh? Let me see how devilish you can go in this. Allah tries and tests everybody based on what they do and who they think they are. Allah Akbar. And so when we begin to have doubts about those interests that we had in worship of Almighty Allah and we begin to say, why me? Allah says, فَأَمَّلِ إِنسَانُ إِذَا مَبْتَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَ وَنَا عَمَوْ فَيَكُونُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا When Almighty Allah has tried and tested somebody with generosity, and Allah gave me a lot of good things, say, ah, Allah has honored me. The same way, وَأَمَّا إِذَا مَبْتَ لَهُ فَقَدَرَ عَلِيهِ رِزْكَ فَيَكُونُ رَبِّي أَحَانًا And when I try him the other way around too, and I restrict his provision, you say, my Lord has humiliated me. You'll be tried with plenty, you'll be tried with affluence, you'll be tried with penury, you'll be tried with lack. And Allah wants to see how you are going to react in all of these things. There's perseverance that you have to practice when this unique Ayub-like ordeal comes to you. And you must not lose hope in the mass of Almighty Allah. Nobody loses hope except an unbeliever. And then when you move towards your healing and your recovery and your prosperity, Allah said about Ayub, Quran chapter 21, verse 83. Allah said, I remember Ayub said, Oh my Lord, I cry towards you. Truly adversity has afflicted me. And you, and you are most massive of all who show mercy. He didn't say, Oh Allah, you have brought adversity to me. He said, Adversity has visited me. In other words, he still understood whether it's not Allah that does evil. And that's how we say, Minshari Machalak, from the evil of what Allah has created. So adversity has come to me, but I know you are most merciful. And when he said that, Allah said, Then I responded to him. I responded to his prayer. And I removed all of the adversities that he suffered. And I restored back to him his family, his relative, and everything that belongs to him. And I made it to be doubled and doubled, store and store. The like of what we gave to him, we gave him more and more of that. As a sign of mercy from us. Allah and a kind of remembrance for the worshippers of Almighty Allah. That is the model of Ayub. 
And when Almighty Allah restored everything back to him, Allah said to him, Urukud berijelik, hadha muktasalum baridun washarab. Strike the ground with your foot. Here's the cool water for you to wash with and to drink. When this healing and restoration will come to you, Allah will show you what to do. You must have tried a lot of things. They didn't work. When it is time, this one you are going to try is going to work for you. Allah turned to him in mercy. Allah asked him to strike the earth with his foot. He complied with the order of Allah and water started to gush forth from there. He took bath with the water and he got cured from his evil disease. And after this, he was restored back to prosperity. And that was the sure cure for those who believe in Almighty Allah. And he prayed in gratitude to Almighty Allah because he never for once forgot that Allah is merciful towards him. When his wife got back, the wife didn't find him where he usually stayed. Don't forget that by now they were homeless. And the child was looking around, where's my husband? Where is he? Who took him away? What has happened to him? Did he die? And what did that happen? After a while, when she was busy going up and down like that, looking for the husband, she saw a man that was very young. And she said, oh, slave of Allah, have you seen my husband? One man like that, he looks very old. He looks very haggard. He has been sick for a long time. And looking for my husband, he has been inflicted by illness for a long time. He is suffering. He is in pain. Where is my husband? And this man was just smiling at her. And she said, why are you smiling? My husband is in pain somewhere. What is so funny? And the man said, it is I. I am that your husband you are looking for. Because it has happened now, after 18 years, she couldn't even recognize her husband again. Because this is not the person she left. And how could it have happened all of a sudden? Allah Akbar. Then she recognized her husband and... The wife also became youthful again as a reward for her patience with the illness of her husband. Allah gave them a great amount of money and much more children than they had before. And when he finally got well, Allah reminded him of his promise. <laughs> Didn't you say when you get well, you are going to beat this wife? This is your beautiful wife now. Beat her now, let me see. You said you are going to give her hundred lashes. Beat her now and look at that mercy of Almighty Allah. You know what Allah said? Allah said, okay, okay, I'm going to make it easy for you, for you and your wife. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah said, instead of giving her hundred lashes, gather some of these palm branches that has 100 leaves on it and use it to just touch her like this one time. That is tantamount to you having given her 100 strokes of the king. Allah Akbar. And this is a mercy for the wife who has been patient with the husband for so long a time. Oh, Allah have mercy on us so that we can be patient too. It was narrated that Ayub died at the age of 93. Some other people said he lived longer than that. And Allah restored everything back to him. Let everyone understand. Allah already promised that he's going to be testing us. He's going to be trying us. And when you look at this unique story of Ayub and his wife, when you look at this unique story of Ayub and the things that happened to him, when you look at the way the story of Ayub just fits in and the way it may relate to you, 
you now begin to understand that this is not a story of doom and gloom. It's a story of contrast, a story of suffering, a story of agony, a story of pain, a story of torment, a story of trial, and also a tale of faith, a tale of hope, a tale of triumph, a story of restoration, a story of trust, a story of glorious ending, a story of glorious joy that is reserved for all, only those who go through this model of the ordeal of Ayub. And I hope that this story will stir the Ayub in you. Many of the prophets of Allah went through these kind of things and they triumphed at the end of it all. Yusuf went through the same thing and he triumphed. Yunus was swallowed by fish. Eventually, he triumphed. He also went through his own pain in the belly of the fish. He didn't know where the fish was going. There was no direction. He was not in control. He was not in charge. He was just there, fading away. He was just there, enduring the pain that he was going through. Because the enzymes in the belly of the fish were already beginning to erode his skin. It was already being digested. And look at the pain of being digested in the belly of a fish that you don't even know where it is going to. Eventually, the fish vomited him. He came out white because the outer layer had been eroded and digested. Please imagine that kind of pain that he went through. Eventually, Allah restored him back to goodness and good health. And amongst all the prophets of Allah, he is the only one Allah said his people believed in him 100%. Because even when they didn't want to believe, they saw this one brought in by a fish. This must be a special creature of Allah. They carried him like an egg. They nursed him back to good health. And they said, we'll do everything you ask us to do. Say, no, don't worship me. Worship Allah. Who is this Allah? Then his lecture began. Look at Noah now. He was also inside the ark for several days that Allah didn't even mention to him. He couldn't control the ark. He didn't know the direction. He didn't know the situation. He couldn't come out. He couldn't stay. He had to survive a stench of cat vomit and poo-poo of animals. He was sick. He was ill. He had fever. He had headache. There was no doctor. There was no medicine. He was there for so long a time. Allah didn't even tell us how long it was, and his boat didn't have any particular direction. You feel like that sometimes. That where, where is all this going to end up? You, you don't even know. You can't even imagine. You can't stay in and you can't go out. You know there are some problems, eh? There are some problems that they just kind of engulf you and you know very well that you can't escape. You can't stay and you can't leave and you don't know when it's going to be over. These are the similar situations that happen to people of past. Whenever you see you are going through this kind of suffering, know that this is the model of the prophets of Allah. And the people who receive the biggest of trials are those that are righteous. Why? So that your story will be a story of contrast. In the hereafter, everything you ever ask for will be yours. But that's not to say that this dunya will still not favor you. It's a relationship between you and Almighty Allah. And the same Allah that knows how this affliction got there, this same Allah will know how he will remove it. And I pray Allah will heal you. Allah will cure you. Allah will look at you with mercy. Allah will answer your prayers. 
and Allah will make you to triumph at the end of it all. And whatever the ayub in you is, it's a story of triumph at the end of the day. May Allah make us to be triumphant. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. to be triumphant. Have you heard? Have you heard?